two Super Bowl championships in three years for the Patriots. And they are now the dominant team in the NFL of the brand new century. Two Super Bowls this century. Let's go! After a disappointing 2-2 start to the 2003 season, the New England Patriots reeled off 12 straight wins winning the AFC East and earning the number one seed in the conference. But it would be a daunting path through the playoffs to secure a second title, featuring three unforgettable games that would be every bit as dramatic as New England's first championship run. This is 2003, the super sequel, part two, the postseason. Damon Heward will take the snap, go to one knee, and that is all she wrote for 2003's regular season. Now it's on to the playoffs as the Patriots try to make it two Super Bowl championships in the last three years. The Patriots would face the 12-4 Tennessee Titans in the divisional round, led by co-MVP Steve McNair. That is it. The Tennessee Titans have gone on the road behind Eddie George and co-MVP Steve McNair and that great run defense. Coming off a wild card victory over the Ravens, the Titans were a tough and experienced team, one that New England had beaten earlier in the year 38-30, the first win of their current 12-game unbeaten streak. And despite the fact that the Tennessee Titans, Steve McNair threw for almost 400 yards, and Tennessee had almost 450 yards of the game, New England wins it by the count of 38-30. to But. Like the 2001 divisional round, weather would once again be a factor with Arctic cold in the forecast. Deion Brant's Louisville. I would say the, the night before the games, you know, as we go and do our walk, our walkthrough, you know, some of these crazy behind defensive players that we have on the team, Mike Brable, you know, William McGinnis, Teddy Bruski, you know, all those guys outside with their shirts off and they had a, um, a weather advisory for people to not be outside. And here it is, we're doing a walkthrough and half of these clowns are outside with their shirts off. You know, and Bill, <laughs> it's just some of those things, man, the memories, you, you, you kind of think about those days. And that was a long time ago, man. You know, and I'm very blessed to still have that, that great memory to think about those uh, memorable moments, you know, because that is what made this team, you know, just having that opportunity to be on the field with those guys, just to do a walkthrough, shirtless. And everybody's just like, Bill, you know, this is what it is. We're going to face this. Matt Chatham linebacker and special teamer. The guy that I would say is responsible for that is actually, you know, just recently honored here, Mike Rabel. So, Rabel is obviously known as the guy with an edge, a guy who loves to push the envelope, tough guy, smart guy, all those kinds of things. But, um, you know, it's not as if at that point I hadn't played in a, a decent amount of cold games in my life, but this one was different than really any of us had experienced. And we had an in-stadium walkthrough the night before in Gillette. And, uh, Braves comes walking up out of the locker room with uh, without sleeves on, you know, just with like the the light sleeveless sort of practice T-shirt almost, and it's a helmet's only practice. But you know, the rest of us are all bundled up in like three layers of thermal <laughs> sweats and gloves and hats and all that kind of stuff. And Braves is just like sleeveless and like, let's roll. We're gonna he's gonna go through this sort of two hour thing. And I'm like, oh man! But then it makes you kind of feel like a jerk for letting him go through that or go through it alone so his rationale was basically i'm gonna it can't possibly be worse on sunday than what i'm gonna feel like now scott pioli patriots director of player personnel it was the first time that it was too cold to breathe through my mouth so i decided to try to breathe through my nose and 
I don't want to get overly graphic here. Let's just say that everything was frozen and it like hurt the back of my head. It was so cold when you breathed in. Um, but that was, again, that was a really good Tennessee Titans football team. I'm glad we had them at home. You know, our team was built for our home venue at the time. And that showed up in, in that game and then the next week against the Colts because that was part of the goal be home and, and that was something that Bill knew right Bill was a part of those Giants and those Giants teams were built around you know built for their venue just like the Colts were built for their venue you know so um that Tennessee game I'll never forget how cold it was the time is 801 and the temperature five degrees with a wind chill of minus three. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. I am from the West Coast. I played in Colorado, but I am not used to the cold. And this was next level historically cold. I remember going to a ski shop down in Attleboro and I was looking for one of those old school one-piece suits you see the, the the bobsled team wear. I was trying to find something because like there's not a chance in hell I'm gonna make it through this. I actually burnt my my cleats my cleats melted because I was putting them up next to the little uh, those little burners that they have on the sideline and my cleats burn I had to change my cleats. In the end, it was really about just staying moving. And if you were actually playing, it was fine. Karen Garigian, the Boston Herald. I mean, they kept showing the the, the thermometer <laughs> on the field. It's like it was like twenty below zero, and it was it was literally it was. The heat was on, but it was still freezing in the press box, particularly if you were in the front row. <laughs> we were sitting here, and I wondered how many fans would stay away because of the low temperatures. But as I look around, not many people did stay away. They're here. They're excited. Nick Fitzy Stevens, Patriots fan and personality. To go back to the Super Bowl, the New England Patriots were likely to have to go through the co-MVPs of the league. Let me repeat that. There was no cupcake schedule. There was no softy. There was no cakewalk. The Pats would have to defeat the co-MVPs of the season. They would get they would get their shot to do it at home. And as it turns out, the tougher of the two games would be the divisional round game, a Saturday night affair against Steve McNair and the Titans. McNair, quarterback draw. He has room and has the first down inside the five. Blitz coming. Eddie George, first down and more. Demps saved a huge game. The conversation all week leading up to the game wasn't just, how are they going to stop Steve McNair? How are, how are the Patriots going to handle this awesome offense? It was, how can they play football in legitimate Arctic conditions? The opening kickoff at Frozen Foxborough. The conditions did little to slow down the Patriots offense out of the gate with Brady hitting Bethel Johnson for a 41-yard touchdown strike to open the scoring. Slot to the far side left with Givens to the near side right. He comes in motion, goes in motion from right to left. Brady in the shotgun, takes the snap on third and six. Time, fires down the middle, open, caught, touchdown! Touchdown, Patriots, to Bethel Johnson! The Titans would respond on their next drive, with McNair hitting big plays to Derek Mason and Drew Bennett. Then, Chris Brown tied things up with a five-yard run. Second and goal at the Patriot five, we'll call it. They give us to Brown to the right, tries to cut it back left, and is brought down in, now he got it into the end zone. Touchdown. But the Pats offense would continue to hum early on, moving the ball on a second consecutive drive, only to see their reliable kicker, Adam Vinatieri, miss a 44-yard field goal as conditions continue to deteriorate. Ball is on the far hash mark. The angle will be to the right for Vinatieri. 
And make it a 44-yard field goal attempt where they set it up. The ball down. The kick is up. It is on the way. And it is no good. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. Just so hard to score. You know, when you get in elements, whether it's the snow in Miami or the, the freezing the freezing day, which is against Tennessee, was, you know, it's just, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be back and forth. And why we won championships so often was just, there were just three or four plays that we had players that made them consistently all the time. And then it was a multiple multitude of players that could do that. Deion Brent's Louisville. Unfortunately, during the course of the game, my guy, Asante Samuels, uh, ended up having the false bites. I mean, this was the craziest thing ever. I've never seen a guy with purple nails and stuff. And uh, <laughs> his toenails, his fingernails, you know, Sante's from Miami. So, you know, and I'm from Georgia. We're not used to that type of weather. But uh, we went out and took care of business. All the other things will kind of get taken care of after the game. As they had all season long, the defense stepped up, with Rodney Harrison making his first postseason interception for the Patriots on the very next play after Vinatieri's miss. And McNair going to put it up. Going to go deep down the sideline. It is... Rodney Harrison. And Harrison is down at his own 43-yard line. The offense would take advantage, putting together an 11-play, 57-yard touchdown drive to take a 14-7 lead that would hold into the third quarter. And so the first half has come to an end here in Foxborough with a score at the half. The New England Patriots 14, Tennessee Titans 7. I mean, McNair had a great year, but they couldn't get anything going. And, you know, we just, I think we stopped them in the end. There was a, a last-ditch a last ditch pass up in yeah. here. But, I mean, we, we just, I mean, we just feel like we couldn't get beat when it was that cold. You know, that's the confidence that we had. Paul Perillo, Patriots Football Weekly. Two really, really good teams. Tough, physical, defensive-minded, um, not a lot of mistakes. And, you know, I remember Steve McNair being really at the height of his of his career at the time. He was co-MVP with Peyton Manning, um, and deservedly so. He had a great year then. And, and I, I just thought that the, the Titans played and acted so much like those, those Patriots teams did. You know, they didn't come in with a lot of flashy you know, toys that they were looking to throw it all over the place down. I feel like Indy, Indy had the high-powered offense. Tennessee played like the Patriots. We talked to Jeff Fisher last night, and he said, I said, what about your game plan on offense? And he looked at us and he goes, we've nailed it. we got it. After struggling for three straight possessions, the Titans offense found a spark on their first possession of the second half, going 70 yards in 11 plays to tie the game up on an 11-yard touchdown pass to Derek Mason. And a critical point in the ballgame. Four and a half minutes to go, third quarter patch lead, 14 to 7. Bennett far side left, Mason left slot. Calico near side right, McCarron's right slot. Direct snap to McNair out of a shotgun. Fires left, caught by Mason, breaks oh. the tackle and he goes in. The Patriots avoided disaster on their next possession after a Dan Graham fumble was recovered by the Titans near midfield. Second down and seven. Brady on a long count. Brady still calling signals. Spot pass right, complete to Daniel Graham, going to get nothing. He is hammered oh, down and a fumble on the, the play. Fumble on the play, and I think Tennessee has it. Once again, the defense stepped up, forcing the Titans to go backwards and eventually punt. The back and forth continued, with neither team able to score until late in the fourth quarter. McNair passes to the left, and Wycheck, he's going to be hit and knocked down by Winnie McGinnis. Sparked by a poor punt from the Titans, combined with a nine-yard return by Torrey Brown. The Patriots needed just 13 yards to set up a 46-yard field goal attempt for Adam Vinatieri, 
with just over four minutes remaining in the game. Nick Fitzy Stevens. As, as, as great as Adam Vinatieri's kick to win Super Bowl 36 was, and obviously the kick against the Raiders, 45 yards, kicking a cylinder block to get them to overtime, I gotta say, Vinatieri's game-winning kick against the Titans, also pretty incredible because it's like negative 20 degrees outside. And yet Mr. Automatic, when it counts, drilled it. Ryan Kinchin will snap, 4-11 to go in the game. Tied at 14, snap, ball down, kick up, on the way, and it is good! Karen Garigian. You know, I talked to him about it after, and playing in that kind of cold, and it's for a kicker, you literally have to psych yourself up to kick a brick. I mean, the you know, the football is hard. It, I mean, the cold, I mean, it's just, and again, I don't know if I'd have the guts to do, you know, to inflict that kind of pain to win a game, but he, he did it. This is for the New England lead on its way. And given the conditions, and again, it's not, it's not like the, the snow bowl and the blizzard where he kicked that. I mean, that, that's immortal, and that will, you know, live the test of time. But I still think in below zero conditions, literally kicking a huge brick through the uprights from 40-something yards... Uh, I think that kick rank, ranks up there, too. Adam Vinatieri hits a 46-yard field goal with 4.06 to play, and the Patriots take the lead 17-14, to and now it is up to the defense. The Titans would get one final crack at a comeback and started to find their stride, quickly moving the ball from their starting field position at their own 24-yard line. They'd get as close as New England's 33 before intentional grounding and holding penalties set up a 4th and 12 from New England's 42 to decide the game. 4th and 12 for Tennessee, just outside their own, the Patriots' 42-yard line. Ball is on the near hash mark. Tennessee is trying to go right to left. The Patriots' defense has to make one more play, and they've got to make it right here and right now. And if they do, they will advance to the championship game. I'm not sure where he is in this world right now, but I would like to offer heartfelt gratitude to former Titans receiver Drew Bennett, who drops what was sort of like a Hail Mary heave-ho on fourth down by the Titans to basically put them back in field goal range with like less than a minute to go, and he dropped it. McNair takes the snap, back to throw the blitz, he lets it go, and it is called incomplete, incomplete! The ball was knocked out of the hands of Drew Bennett, wow. and the Patriots will advance to the AFC Championship game with 1.38 to go. Tennessee with no timeouts left. Patriots defense needed to make one more play, and they made it. Paul Perillo and the Patriots showed you that they can win games whatever style you wanted. That was the beauty of the, the first dynasty especially. Whatever way you wanted to play, they would find a way to win. And, of course, in the end, how do you win it? Adam Vinatieri, because he just never missed when he had to make it. You know he's got to come through. You know he's got to come through. Just like that, 
the Patriots prevailed and were moving on for a date in the AFC Championship against Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts. Gillette Stadium is alive and kicking for today's AFC Championship between Indianapolis and New England. The Colts are great road warriors at 8-1, the Patriots perfect at home at 9-0, but all that matters is what happens here today. One of these teams is 60 minutes from the Super Bowl. For a second week in a row, the Patriots would face one of the league's co-MVPs as Peyton Manning and the high-flying Colts offense made their way to snowy Foxborough for the conference title game. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. I want to say it's the first time ever a team had to beat back-to-back co-MVPs, right? So you had Steve McNair, MVP, Peyton Manning, MVP. I think that was that's a little sneaky, good little nugget because I don't think any other team has ever had to do that before. Go through the playoffs and beat two MVPs, not one, but two. Peyton Manning in the two playoff games is 44 of 56, 77% passing, 681 yards in two games, eight touchdowns, no interceptions. They haven't punted in two playoff games. I don't think that we were nervous about them. I think we had kind of cracked the code with beating them. Defense, We I remember, here's what I do remember that Damian, uh, Damon Heward got the game ball in the locker room afterwards because he did such a good job of mimicking Peyton Manning. Everything. It was, and if you were a scout team guy like I was every now and then, we had to share those duties. Even if you were starting or playing, you still would jump in. Everybody had to really commit to playing their role, listening to the signals, motioning, chipping, shifting, and really painting a picture so the defense could thrive that day. And they did. I thought that the game was won during the week, honestly, at least from the the defensive side of the ball because of how how good Heward was at playing Peyton Manning. Paul Perillo, I I think that, you know, we we probably should backtrack a little bit because that game in Indy was so important for a lot of different reasons. People look at the, the goal line stand. They remember the goal line stand, and they're like, wow, that was that was unbelievable. I don't think people to this day understand the ramifications of, of stopping the, the Colts four plays from inside the five the way they did. Fourth down, 15 seconds to go. The handoff to Wedger. Is stop he stopped. He is stopped. Willie McGinnis Willie made McGinnis. the at the one-yard line. Would you believe it? If the Colts score a touchdown on that play, this game is in Indianapolis. You saw what happened when they played in Indy. It's 38-34. You can see the contrast in the style of game that's played in January in Foxborough on grass as opposed to in the the dome at the time with artificial turf. Uh, Just an enormous goal line stand in in the last play by McGinnis on Edwin James to stuff him. That's the difference between hosting and traveling in the AFC Championship game. The Colts had no shot in this game. Nick Fitzy Stevens. This is a team, Peyton Manning's Colts, who the previous week in the divisional round didn't punt. like Kind of like the way Buffalo didn't punt against the Patriots a couple of times in the 2021 season. Peyton Manning and the Colts did not punt. They couldn't have come into Foxborough more motivated, more focused, more fired up, and more offensively charged. And Belichick and the elements. Uh, I think this is not a game of finesse. And uh, with these kind of conditions, it's hard to play a finesse game. It's more of a smash-mouth game, and that's where the Patriots have the edge. While the game day conditions were not quite as frigid as they were against the Titans, they still suited the Patriots as wet snow fell throughout the game, providing a perfect home field advantage. Much has been made about the fact that the Colts are a dome team. They're 8-1 and one on the road this year, including the playoffs. 
But the weather with some snow and cold temperatures does have to have a little bit of an effect on the way they play their game. Oh, I got to believe it uh, as well. But uh, once again, uh, the Patriots, I think, uh, will adapt to it better for good reason. Scott Pioli. The weather was right for us for what we wanted to do, what we had to do. There was a game plan. The coaches put together a great game plan. The players did an even better job of executing the game plan, you know, in terms of putting the pressure. Peyton was visibly uncomfortable throughout the game. There's no doubt. Here's the rush. Sack. Jarvis Green's got him back at the 25-yard line. We went into that game. I remember feeling that our players were, they were borderline angry and confident, right? It was a good confluence of anger and, um, and wanting to prove some stuff and and they did and they knew that they you know we had the we had the right circumstances in order to do that and um i just remember you know i i felt like at the end of that game that we had beat them up right physically and that was that was the team that we had become and we're beginning to to be more of. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. To have a mental edge on a player and to almost know him inside and out. Because when you play Peyton Manning, it's a team, it's not, we, we believe that it wasn't truly physical, it was more intellectual. And we had players that were as tough as nails that could still think with the best of them. And whatever adjustments and plans that Bill wanted us to have, it was almost, okay, let's dare them to run the football because we don't think they will. And, you know, they, they didn't, and they still wanted to throw it. Peyton tried to be who he was. He wanted to win it all himself, and we wouldn't let him do it. Deion Brett, Louisville. Uh, I think the biggest talk was Tom Brady versus Peyton Manning. And I think all the guys, and we all corralled with, with one another. That's, that, that has always been the talk throughout the years with those two individuals. And I think it always boiled down to Tom Brady's support system. You know, the guys around him, the game preparation. We wanted to make sure that Tom Brady got the up on Peyton Manning. That was the only thing that matters to him. We're going to make sure our guy ends up at the top, regardless of what happens. We wanted to make sure that Tom Brady got his just due. You get what I'm saying? He's the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football. You know, and that that was our whole motto. The game preparation was, was simple. We knew exactly what they were doing defensively. We knew exactly what they was going to do offensively. So, it was just all about us going out executing the place. Dominic Rhodes back at the four. Adam Vinatieri kicking off right to left. Kickoff is away, end over end, and coming down to Rhodes at the 11. Heads to the middle of the 15, right to the 20. And bang at the 25 and down at about the 27-yard line. What a solid pop, I believe. It was Chris Akins who had the first hit. The Patriots quickly showed they came to play in all three phases. The offense took the ball 65 yards on their first possession for an opening score. Brady fakes the pass left, now fires left, wide open, touchdown, David Gibbons! Tom Brady pop fake the slip screen left and then fired it into the end zone to Gibbons. And the Patriots take the opening drive and go 65 yards. While well, the defense quickly grabbed interceptions on both of the Colts' first two times with the ball. Fires to the end zone. Intercepted in the end zone by Rodney Harrison. Throws downfield. It is intercepted. Picked off. Picked off by Ty Law. He's at the 40-yard line of the 41. What a great play by Ty Law. Both times those takeaways were turned into field goals as the Patriots built a 13-0 lead. Then, things got even worse for Indy, as a high punt snap was kicked out of the end zone by punter Hunter Smith for a safety that made it 15-0 Patriots at halftime. Hunter Smith had his 20 to punt for the Colts. First time in the postseason they've been forced to punt. Patriot defense immense on that series. 
Smith averaging 42 and a half yards. A punt. High snap over his head. Ball going back to the five-yard line. Kicked out of the end zone for a safety by Hunter Smith. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. Ty made plays. Rodney's making plays. And, and all of a sudden, it's just that, you know, we got you again. And we felt we felt good about I always felt good about beating the Colts. I mean, it was it was only like... It was like that movie, The Outsiders, the Greasers versus the Socias. You know, we were like the dirty, grimy type of team, and they were the fancy kids, you know, so it always felt good beating those guys. Matt Chatham. One of the real heroes for us back then was was Roman Pfeiffer um, because Pfeiffer's role would go from his normal stuff to where he was wire-to-wire generally um, because he was really good in coverage and just sort of played really well in space and was kind of our guy that did that best. So when it was going to be a cold sweep, it was going to be a lot more him and I'm a guy who steals reps, you know, for, for rundown stuff and run heavy games. It's never going to be that against the Colts. So I'm just in special teams only mode. But uh, Brew to, to uh, you know, to fight, holding stuff down on the inside and Willie and Braves being disruptive as always. I mean, it's just a, it's a really good combination to go after those guys. And we, we understood them really well. And uh, I, I think, again, they put together some of the best. Not just the execution or not just the game plan is, is sort of thought up, but then the execution of those game plans, it was, was an all-timer. The Colts would make a push with an opening drive touchdown to start the third quarter. But Tom Brady and the offense continued to do just enough, tacking on three more Vinatieri field goals to keep pace ahead of them. Manning out of the shotgun, Rhodes to his left in the backfield. Big fourth down, direct snap to Manning. Standing in there, fires to the right, intercepted Taiwan at the 20, back to the 25, heading to the right is going to be hit, springs away from that one at the 30, at the 30-yard line goes Ty Law, his third pass interception of the game. A third and final Ty Law interception destroyed any comeback attempts, as New England's all-time defense put up an all-time performance to cap off one of the most impressive defensive seasons in NFL history. Paul Perillo. It comes down to Rodney Harrison in Ty Law. You know, two guys that just uh, made the plays when they had to make the plays. And to the to the Colts' credit that day, at least they fought back. I think the following year in 04, I think they they sort of had a resignation that we're not beating them here. We're not beating them in, in this situation. But that 24-14 loss in 03, I give the Colts credit for continuing to fight. But the Patriots were just tougher, and, and I think that was the bottom line. These guys never quit. They, they play hard. And then the final quarter, when they had to make a defensive stand, they did. Yep. And forced the four complete, four straight incompletions by Manning, and then hung on for the win. Karen Gregian. There's no question that Belichick, his schemes, how he attacked Manning, how he moved guys and disguised guys, it was in Peyton's head to start. And Bill Belichick and his staff, Romeo Cornell, coming up with a brilliant defensive game plan. Intercepting Manning four times, holding this team to 14 points as they held Tennessee last week to 14 points. And again, Peyton was, is one of the most cerebral, intelligent quarterbacks you'll find. And yet, you know, for the first five to ten games of going against the Patriots, he had no clue what the heck was going on. And they made him look bad. Peyton's place is in New Hampshire, isn't it? Well, it's uh, Peyton's it's place here. is not in Foxborough, I'll tell you that, because now he is 0-5 there coming is. to Foxborough. Nick Fitzy Stevens. This is one of the all-time defensive performances by the Patriots. And I'm sure 
Anytime Peyton Manning ever came back to Gillette Stadium, even if he wasn't on the field, he probably looked out and thought Ty Law was just going to pop up and snag one on him. But they just won the AFC Championship. Holy smokes. The Pats are going back to the Super Bowl. Holy. I can't believe this. The Patriots are going back to the Super Bowl. I never thought I'd see them win one Super Bowl in this life. Now they have a chance to win a second one in three years. Get out of here. Brady takes the snap, goes to one knee, and that's all she wrote. Ta-da! The final score. Hey! The Patriots, 24. You didn't say. The Indianapolis Colts, 14. The fireworks go off. The crowd goes wild. You happy now? the Super Bowl. Hey, hey. Second time in three years, the Patriots go to the Super Bowl. Here we go, guys, here we go. For the second time in three seasons, the Patriots were back in the Super Bowl. But this time, things were different. As the team had gone from double-digit underdogs against the greatest show on turf in Super Bowl 36 to touchdown favorites over the Carolina Panthers in Super Bowl 38. Charlie Weiss, offensive coordinator. Normally, I give credit to Bill, Bill and the coaching staff, but in this case, I like to give credit to the players. We had such a great veteran group in that locker room that kept everyone keyed in on what was important. You know, we very seldom had problems and, you know, very seldom because the veteran players really ran the locker room. And any championship caliber team, you need to have a championship locker room. And we had one. Matt Chatham. Guys that were there for the three or four. Uh, we have that point of reference with the first one, you know, where there was the 9-11 year and we didn't have the week between. So you win the AFC Championship game, you're rushing back to Foxborough and then jumping right back on a plane once you can get your bags, basically. So you're into the week. There's no sort of absorbing it all and getting to do the Super Bowl experience. It was just such a whirlwind. You just you kind of feel like you're there, and next thing you know, it's the kickoff to start the Super Bowl. It just it feels that fast. The, the Houston one was, was more, okay, this is what's normal. Like It's sort of a, a week of pageantry back home where you're still working for sure, but there's more of the, the extended buildup, and then you go down to the city and you know get to experience it a little bit, but obviously keep your head, head deep in the playbook and, and all that. I think that was probably the biggest difference for us. We actually got to experience a Super Bowl as, as more per usual. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. Here's what I remember from that very clear, clear as day. Not necessarily the game, okay? It was the lead up to the game. It was the locker room before the game. It was the Bills pregame speech. Now I've been in a ton of locker rooms and most coaches, the rah-rah speeches don't work because they're all pros. And Bill's not a rah-rah I never, I would never say the hair on the back of my neck stood up when Bill was speaking, you know, pregame. There, he's, he's, the message was always clear, and I really appreciated that because I needed direction. What, what do you want us to do? How do you want us to approach this game? Nick Fitzy Stevens. I remember Warren Sapp saying uh, in some interview somewhere that he thought this was going to be an absolute lopsided affair and the Panthers would dominate the Patriots because no way the Pats line and this Russ Hoekstein guy could possibly ever protect Tom Brady from one of the best defensive lines in recent NFL memory. That whole week, the Carolina Panthers are talking a lot of smack. And Bill was adamant about not saying anything back, staying quiet. We're going to let our, our play do the talking. And he was really, really, you know, consistent with that message throughout the week. And so, okay, we're just letting it go. But we're all irritated by it. 
And we're, we can't say anything. We have to wait till Sunday. So, Bill, before we actually took the field, I remember he all stood there and he just gave what I thought was probably the most, for me, inspiring pregame speech I've ever been a part of because it was now paraphrasing now um, for him because I don't exactly remember what it was, but I heard it's personal now. They've been talking all week. They've been doing all this. Now it's our turn. And it was almost like, hey, listen, I know. Go get them. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the AFC champion, New England Patriots. wanted to punch them in the face. We wanted to literally fight them. It's almost like he gave us the green light to go fight. 72,000 folks on hand for Super Bowl 38, which is about to begin. Super Bowl 38 began as a physical defensive struggle with a missed 31-yard field goal by Adam Vinatieri on New England's first possession, serving as the closest either team got to putting any points on the board. So Vinatieri from 31 yards. Kicked on the way pushed it to the right. Otherwise, the two teams combined for eight straight punts before all hell broke loose in the second quarter. A 36-yard attempt for Adam Vinatieri. Far hash mark angled to his left. Ken Walter the hole. Brian Kinchin to snap. The ball is down. The kick is up and it is blocked. Third down and 12. Carolina at their own 25. Davis Lalone running back behind Jake Lalone. Drops back to throw. Here comes the pressure. Hit. Rumble, ball on the ground. Let's see who has it. Patriots recover for Carolina 19. After an earlier miss, Vinatieri had a second field goal blocked. But just three plays later, Mike Vrabel forced a fumble that Richard Seymour recovered deep inside Carolina territory, setting up the first score of the game as the Patriots broke the stalemate on a five-yard touchdown pass to Dion Branch. Didn't go. Waited for another time. At the Carolina five. Antoine is the running back. In motion left to right goes Daniel Graham. Brady. Play action fake, fires, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Deion Branch! Patriots grab the lead! The Panthers responded, hitting three big plays before Jake DeLone found Steve Smith for a 39-yard touchdown. Behind the quarterback, Jake DeLone on third down and 10. He drops back to throw. He looks, fires to the left, it is caught! Touchdown! Carolina to Steven Smith! Just like that, it was 7-7 with but a minute 14 left in the first half and still two more scores to come. Brady out of a shotgun, second and 10 at his own 34, takes the direct snap, rolls out to his left, steps up, steps up, looks, shoots it down the field, in stride, Dion Branch to the 15-yard line, first down Patriots. A quick 53-yard pass to Branch helped set up a second Patriots touchdown on a drive that took just 49 seconds. Smith is the running back with a slot to the near side left. Brady play action fake, end zone, touchdown! Touchdown to David Gibbons! But the Panthers would need just a 12-yard kickoff return and a 21-yard run by Stephen Davis to set up a 50-yard field goal by John Casey to finally cap the first half at 14-10 Patriots, with all 24 points being scored in the final 3 minutes and 10 seconds of the second quarter. Here we had a tight nothing-nothing ball game in the first quarter. We're wondering what is going to be happening with this game if these two guys are in a slugfest and nothing's going to happen. As far as scores and points, and here all of a sudden, driving the length of the field to get two touchdowns and also get a field goal opportunity, and all of them being successful. But that back and forth ending was a precursor 
for one of the more memorable halftimes in NFL history. Nick Fitzy Stevens. There are so many memorable moments from Super Bowl 38 that had nothing to do with the game itself. You had the halftime show and the Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson. And coming up, the Janet Super Bowl video. Did she plan to expose herself? The answer is on the way. And then, of course, there's Matt Chatham tackling the streaker, which we didn't get to see on live TV. Later on, the All-22 film would make its way to social media and we could see it. But we heard tale of a streaker running onto the field and Chatham on special teams just absolutely laying the guy out and becoming kind of an iconic legend in these parts. Matt Chatham. I think what made that a little different, especially even now where you see, you know, people run on the field all the time and pick a sport, soccer, football, baseball. Uh, it's relatively common, but it was a little different back then because, like I mentioned, we the 9-11 stuff was two Super Bowls prior, but we were in the middle of a war at that time. Uh, security is, is crazy high because at that time there's all these threats on, you know, big venues, right? And... Uh... We have a gentleman who ran on the field doing some kind of a, spe a step dance. Wait a while. He just doesn't with, have uh, very, much attire on. Very either. little clothing on. So we're kind of in the middle of the field there. And just remember, as it's starting to happen, we're kind of all looking at each other. And you can see it from some of the NFL films, sort of uh, replay cuts of it, where we're kind of looking at each other like there is kind of like a WTF to this. Like, what's the, what? What is this? Like, is that just a street or is it not? And here come the security people, and this guy is going to be tackled. Oh, yeah. He's at the 40, 45, he's at the 50, and he's knocked down by a member of the Patriots. There's not supposed to be anyone within, you know, anyone anywhere near here. We're supposedly the most secure place on earth at this moment, but we weren't. It's sort of like you've been conditioned a little bit to have this heightened sense of uh, fear is the wrong word, but just like curiosity about, oh, no, what's this, you know? So, and then, you know, then when it's like, okay, maybe there's no danger here. It's like, get this jackass out of here. We have a game to win. And I think it was sort of, first half of it was that. And then once you realize, oh, this is just one of those guys, you're kind of like, man, I'm, I want to win a ring today. Get this clown out of here. You know, <laughs> it was really more about that. You beat it. I, we've got we've got another goal in mind. And that was uh, Chatham? Matt Chatham. You know, the, the players see something like that and they're saying, come on, we're, we've got a world championship we're playing for here and some bozo decides to come out with a bikini briefs and dance around at the 40-yard line. The third quarter looked a lot like the first quarter with no scoring and a combined four punts. Injuries to New England's secondary began to add up with starters Rodney Harrison and Eugene Wilson both leaving the game. As the fourth quarter began, New England extended their lead to 21-10 with an Antoine Smith rushing touchdown. First and goal to go for the Patriots at the Carolina 2. They break the huddle. Seymour, the fullback, Smith, the tailback in the eye, the handoff to Antoine Smith to the right. He is in! Touchdown, Antoine Smith! But that's when the Panthers started to heat up, targeting New England's battered secondary. Inside handoff to Deshaun Foster, breaks a tackle at the 30, the left side of the 20, at the 15, at the 10, at the 5, and in! Touchdown, Deshaun Foster! Then, off a of Brady interception, an 85-yard touchdown strike to Moussin Muhammad. Play action faked alone. Stands in there, stands in there, got time, looks, shoots it long and deep, his man is open, he's got it at the 30, at the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown Carolina, they take the lead. Suddenly, for the first time since mid-November, the Patriots were losing. Paul Perillo, a shootout broke out in the middle of a, you know, a defensive standoff. You know, no one really sniffed 
scoring, um, you know, at times in that game. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think injuries really hurt the Patriots in the secondary. I felt like, uh, you know, Rodney breaking his arm. And then you have you know, people remember Sean Mayer out there with the Super Bowl on the line. And, you know, he was a hardworking, I think, undrafted rookie out of Penn State, I want to say, special teamer. And, and you know, and to the, the Panthers' credit, it's good coaching. You know, I, I think that they, they targeted him. Ricky Prohl, uh, you know, made, made some big plays. And Jake DeLone, I think, quite honestly, played the game of his life. I think he was really good that that night. Um, Brady, save for one mistake, that, that red zone pick was was probably as, as good as he had been in that kind of a, an environment. A, a truly, uh, truly special Super Bowl that had a lot of twists and turns. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. Yeah, you talk about feeling about feeling like they can't score anything on us because we're that good defensively to, man, we can't stop these guys. And this is where I, I learned about defenses in the Super Bowl getting gassed. And we as defensive players play on emotion. And, you know, we, we, I mean, we go out there the first three plays and we feel like we're floating and you go out to this to the to the bench and it's like i don't even know what happened out there man i mean it's just, you're just still you're just so geeked and emotional it's different on the offensive side of the ball so come the the, the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter you're spent you're spent physically and almost emotionally too so it's hard and that's what really showed for both of the defenses for the panthers and the patriots our defense because we weren't stopping the loam our guys were going down Rodney breaks his arm, so and we still give him a hard time about not finishing that Super Bowl, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so in terms of fatigue, that's when I started to learn that you better be ready to go fourth quarter because there's a, there's a pretty good chance that defenses are going to be gassed. Matt Chatham. The pace of the game that you kind of talked about, I mean, that was one of the weirder ones. And, again, I think in Super Bowl history because the first half was just a, a slugfest. It was not a lot of scoring. It was really great effort. I guess maybe both sides, and then uh, I think my argument would be more more so for injury. You know, we got banged up really badly on the back end with a couple big injuries, and uh, they did a good job of adjusting. And it became a bit of a shootout in the second half. So, um, you know, it's it, it's being prepared to to overcome whatever it is that comes your way. And that was kind of always Bill's big big uh, preaching point with us, and uh, we handled it that day, but. It was, a, it was a blast, and uh, it's a cool feeling, but it was a stressful one. Deion Brett, Louisville. Coach Belichick harped on it all week. Those two weeks of preparation, you know what I'm saying? Stay a course, fellas, and understand that the game, once the game settles, then we'll get to see who's going to do what. You get what I'm saying? Early on, there's going to be so much emotion, so much everybody's super hype. The fans are going crazy. I started out super slow, halftime, and then we come back out, and here it is. It's just bombs going off left and right. And I think it's just all about who's going to be the, the, the last man standing, who's going to sustain the fight. Down by one, Brady and the Patriots offense put together a methodical drive, with David Givens coming up with big play catches of 25 and 18 yards. Back to throw, rolls to his right, looks, fires to the right, wide open inside the 30. Ben retires, flying out of bounds on the near side at about the 23-yard line on the reception to David Givens. Direct snap to Brady, drifts to his right, looks, fires to the right, caught. At the 5-yard line and down to the 2-yard line. No, he called him out of bounds at the 3. Goes David Gibbons. Linebacker Mike Vrabel will grab his first Super Bowl touchdown catch of his career. Second down and goal to go at the Carolina 1.5-yard line. They break the huddle with three tight ends. Seymour, the fullback offset right. Play action fake. Brady fires. Touchdown! Touchdown in the end zone to Mike Vrabel! 
Kevin Falk would take a direct snap on the two-point conversion to reestablish a 29-22 lead. Brady will go for a two-point conversion. Falk is his running back to the left, slots to both sides for Tom Brady in a shotgun. It goes a direct snap to Kevin Falk, and he runs it in! Direct snap to Kevin Falk, and he ran it in for a two-point conversion! Charlie Weiss, offensive coordinator. Actually, we had studied in the offseason. We were working on two-point plays and trying to go through, you know, what what can we do that are, that are exotics that would give us the best chance to carry over from week to week so that when you ever need to pull it out of the bag, it's ready to go. So, you know, this was one of the ones because of Kevin's hands, because you couldn't count that the snap was going to be perfect every time. But Kevin had such great hands. And, you know, between him catching the ball and the quarterback faking like it went over his head, you know, um, it actually was it actually was an easy play for us to carry over from week to week and use it when we, when whenever we needed to use it. But the Panthers didn't blink and continued to attack a decimated Patriots secondary hitting plays of 19 and 31 yards, with Delhomme finding Ricky Prohl for a game-tying touchdown. Out of a shotgun formation, Delhomme takes the snap, fires to the end zone, touchdown Carolina! Nick Fitzy Stevens. The crazy thing about this fourth quarter comeback by the Panthers was, the person who caught the touchdown that tied the game for the Panthers is the exact same person who caught the touchdown pass from Kurt Warner in Super Bowl 36 to tie things up at 17-17 before Brady's drive, the Troy Brown catch, and ultimately Vinatieri's 48-yard field goal. Ricky Prohl will forever remain a famous, almost infamous, but a famous name in Patriots history. Twice in a Super Bowl with less than two minutes left, he catches a touchdown pass for the Patriots opponent to tie the game and then ultimately watch the Patriots drive the field and have Adam Vinatieri hit an over 40-yard game-winning field goal. You can't script this stuff. Once again in the Super Bowl, Tom Brady took the field late in the game with the score tied and the opportunity to win a championship with a scoring drive. It was another moment that would define the most clutch quarterback in NFL history. Brady out of a shotgun formation. Brady awaiting the snap. He's got it. Drops back to throw. Looks. Fires. Caught. First down. Carolina 23-yard line. Caught by Deion Branch. First down, Patriots, Carolina 23-yard line. Eight seconds remaining in the game. Having already missed two field goals, Adam Vinatieri lined up a 41-yard kick with the chance to win a second Super Bowl on the line. But with a long snapper off the street, the kick was far more tenuous than the one Vinatieri had nailed in Super Bowl 36. Now Adam will try to win it. Two years ago, he won it on a 48-yard field goal against St. Louis. Tonight at 29-29, he'll try to win it with about a 41-yard field goal against the Carolina Panthers. Scott Pioli. Remember how the end of our the end of our season went, where we lost Lonnie Paxton, and then we had um, Sean McDermott, not not the Buffalo Bills Sean McDermott, but the other Sean McDermott, the long snapper. He gets hurt too, and we called Kitchen. And again, there was there was this whole story that I knew about that was that was unfolding hour to hour before the game, pre-game meal, you know, Kinchin 
had the yips on Thursday night. He called me up to his room and, and wanted to go home. I'm like, dude, you can't go home. And I told Bill, and there was just this, under, you know, you don't find a long snapper. It's not like you're going down to the Sunoco and, and getting a new spark plug in, in the middle of January and February. And uh, then as the games unfold, oh, in pregame, I don't know if you know the story, but he was, again, buttering a roll or cutting a roll and he slipped allegedly and sliced open his hand. I mean, it was like, I remember Izzo and, and Vrabel telling the story, like, you know, their language was a little bit more colorful than mine, but they couldn't believe it. And he's got to snap some pretty important snaps at the course of that game, including the game winner. So along with the crazy that you're talking about, there was the in-game normal crazy that the world knew about. Then there was this other crazy that was in the back of my head is like, you know, if he was playing the team that had put him and Bill and I were, and Ernie had all been together with him in Cleveland, it was, yeah, it was, uh, there was a lot going on. Ryan Kinchin will snap. Ken Walter will hold. The spot is the 41-yard line near hash mark. Angle will be to the left for Adam Vinatieri. A pulse-pounding finish to Super Bowl 38. My only concern was the snap. The snap and the ball getting back to Ken Walter, that's more, I mean, Adam was money. I mean, you know, he, he was money. Adam Vinatieri, kicker. We had another holder, or another snapper that got hurt, and then Brian Kitchen, who was retired, came in. Bill knew him from from earlier in his career, and he can't, he comes in, and he, he had... Um, he had a little bit of issues. He ended up cutting it, the webbing of his finger in the pregame meal, buttering a roll with a steak knife. I don't know how that happens, but long story short. And, and the whole week we had some, some trials and tribulations, a little bit of craziness that went along. So, yeah, there was a lot of extra circumstances that went into that game. But, uh, yeah, you know, Brian's best snap of his career was the game when it was bang, right on point. It was perfect. But I think... The, the good performers at any, any you know, kicking or a pitcher or whatever, you know, if you're, if you're a closer and pitcher and somebody hits a home run and you lose again, you got to forget that, right? Because you're going to be out there again and two days later, and if you're still thinking about that, you're going to have some issues. And, and I think the, the best ones can clear their mind. And don't get me wrong, it's not easy to do. I mean, you're, you're having a tough game or you miss a kick. Gosh, I mean, I... I remember the misses way more than I remember the makes. I really do. I mean, they, they just grind on you a little bit more because you're like, why the heck did I mix, miss that, you know? So, yeah, having having a miss earlier in the game and, and having one blocked earlier in the game, I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, you know? But you have to be able to walk out there in the, at that particular time and go clear your mind and, and really just focus on the next second and a half, what's, what's happening in front of you. And it's sometimes easier said than done. The ones that can't do it usually, usually aren't around very long. Angle to the left. 41-yard field goal attempt coming for Adam Vinatieri. Snap. Ball down. Kick up. Kick is on the way. Kick is good! Kick is good! Adam Vinatieri from 41 yards away. Four seconds left. Patriots lead 32 to 29. Four seconds left. Adam Vinatieri with a money on the table, bangs it through. I won't repeat what Ernie Adams said to me because Ernie knew what was going on too. Ernie and I always had this great relationship where there were moments where there was absolute intensity 
you know, as we sat next to each other, but then there were some very, Ernie's funny. People don't understand how funny Ernie Adams is. And he looked at me as we were getting ready for the snap. And I, and I wish I, ha I had this visual. I wish I had a photograph of his eyes and how they kind of rolled before, the, you know, as we were lining up. And I cannot repeat what he said to me. <laughs> but um, it went through and it, it was a pretty cool moment. 41 yard attempt. Signals being called. The snap from Kinchin put down by Walter. The kick by Vinatieri is up, and it is good. It is good with four seconds remaining in the fourth quarter. The Patriots have taken a 32-29 lead. Deion Brett, Louisville. Adam Vinatieri, man. Uh, you can't. It's so many words, man. You, you can just speak about this guy. He's so clutch. It, when they, when we needed him, he came through for us at all times. Um, everybody just had to do their jobs. I know everybody like, oh man, that, that's a, that little macho that you all say all the time. It's a cliche, but it's the truth, man. If Dion just do what he's supposed to do every play, Troy do what he's supposed to do, Tom do what he's supposed to do, the front line, Antoine in the backfield, David Gibbons at the other receiver position, David Patton, if everybody just do what they're supposed to do, just do their jobs, we'll be fine. Uh, just uh, the guy that's uh, got ice water in his veins, he's able to just keep himself in uh, rhythm and uh, calmness and uh, execute the kick. Now credit goes to Brian Kinchin and also to Ken Walter, who did their part getting the snap there and getting the hold. Karen Gregian. You know, it looked like it was going to be a blowout, and it looked like it was going to be a kind of a walk in the park. But those Panthers, DeLome was such a gritty, you know, a gritty player, and they kept coming back, and they kept coming back. You know, some bigger teams, you know, it's almost like Davy and Goliath, and maybe if you keep poking at the beast, you know, the beast will fall. And my feeling, my sense was, you know, Goliath didn't fall. You know, they, they hung just as tough. Uh, and once again, Adam Vinatieri uh, put one through the uprights and at the, in, the, in the closing seconds. Uh, and they had their second Super Bowl. All right, Adam into the football. He kicks it end over end. Coming down to Smart at the 3, to the 5, to the 10, right to the 15, to the 20. He is hit. He is down. It is over. With the win, the Patriots secured their second title in three seasons, providing validation that the program they had been building since 2000 was bearing real, sustainable fruit. The Patriots were no longer happy to have won, they were starting to expect it every time they took the field. A second championship in three years, I mean, it doesn't happen often, especially in this uh, in this era of the NFL with, with free agency and then teams changes. Uh, I mean, I think it just shows uh, what type of football players we have. You know, I think uh, the, the Super Bowl a couple years ago was a breakout party, but now we're proving that, that, that we're dominant, a dominant team with a very good football players on it. Scott Pioli. Nothing will ever be like the first, that, that, that that's for sure. After the 01, the 01 championship year and winning the Super Bowl, I remember Bill and I felt like we were so far behind and we spent the entire trip back planning who we were going to expose to the expansion list, you know, the expansion draft. And we, for the first time, we felt like we were five or six weeks behind everybody else. And then the next year, we don't make the playoffs. This year, when we win it the second time, 
there's almost this, I don't know, we know how bad it could go, meaning not making the playoffs necessarily. There was like this defiance of, we are not, not going to the playoffs next year. It was, we have a good team, but this team isn't good enough because this team isn't going to be as good. You know, if you stay pat, no pun intended, you're just going to, you're not going to be as good the next year. Everyone else is getting better. You better get better. So there was this moment. Yes, we enjoyed it, but there was also this moment. I, I don't know if defiance is the right word, but it, it was like, okay, we got to get to work. Teddy Bruschi, Arizona. Yeah, I think especially during that 21-game win streak um, that was there, um, you really learned to suppress success. And that sucks, really, to do that because you really don't live in your successes basically until you retire. You know, and I think that's what, what truly great players and teams and professionals do is you never focus on any type of championship or accomplishment that you've ever had until you've been retired and you can finally look back and say, man, we, we were pretty good. You know, we were, but we, we, we just didn't do that. We didn't do that in terms of we learned about 01 and the mentality we had in 02, 03, the winning that we had, and then... Um, realizing that putting every victory behind us, even if it was a Super Bowl, really preparing for a Super Bowl like it was a regular season game or vice versa. You know, I think you start to learn how to do that. And, you know, it's a tough way to live. You know, it's a tough way to live and not appreciate your success in the moment, but it's something you have to do if you want to keep winning. Dan Copen, center. You're so new to it. You know, you don't really know. You don't, you know, first game, first snap. You snap it and the nerves go, right? And that's usually how it goes. That's how it was basically from my first game on, but not the Super Bowl. I mean, that, that's just a different game. I think my hand was shaking for 10, 10 minutes, I, well into the second quarter. Wow. So it, it, that game gets to you. But I remember at the rookie symposium, uh, someone got up on stage and was just like, take a look around. It's all the rookies that got drafted. Just take a look around. One of this, you know, groups you sit as a team. One of these teams is going to walk away with like Super Bowl rings. And looking back on it after that year, it's like, holy crap! You know, we were the ones that were able to walk away with Super Bowl rings. You realize how special it is. Uh, you know, this team's met all comers this year, 15 straight, and there've been some heart attacks, but they've come out on top. They deserve all the credit in the world. These guys are champions. Deion Brett, Louisville. We need the Green Bay to beat the Jets to get in the playoffs. That's just a that's such a horrible feeling. You sitting here basing your whole playoffs and your 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 run based on this team winning or losing. How about you just go out and take advantage of it yourself? So right away, our offseason program, we had 100%, including Mr. Brady. You know, Tom's in the building. Everybody was in the building starting late February, early March. It was 100%. It wasn't 100% my rookie season. That second year, 100%. The third year was 100%. Going into the fourth year was 100%. That was the thing that sticks out the most to my, for me, you know, looking back at the offseason program, the mini camps. Then we get into training camp and now preseason, regular season, and then the playoffs. You know, I, I think those are the things that stuck out to me. Paul Perillo. I just think that they were uh, a lot like 01. I think they were better talent wise. And I think that the reason they were better is because guys like, Richard Seymour and Matt Light that were just kids in 01, it sort of matured into, you know, Seymour especially. He, he was a dominant player by the time he's in his third year. So uh, I just thought their toughness exceeded their talent level. So I think there was some similarities to 01. 
uh, in that way, but but the 03 team was just better. And what I remember most is just lock it down. You know, I think there was a rainy game against the the Giants where, you know, in the first quarter there were a couple of scoop and scoop. The game's over. The game was over because you know the other team can play all day in this environment in, the, in these conditions. They're not scoring 14 points, and you just knew like the game was over. And that was my lasting impression of the 2003 team is don't fall behind them because you're not going to win if you do. Christian Fourier, University of Colorado. It's the locker room. It's the relationships. It's the players. You hear tons of guys. They all try to find the right mix of guys to, but you're right, that, that are all kind of collectively agreeing and seeing things the same way and committing themselves to achieving the same things. Every team I've ever been a part of now, I've won a championship in high school, won a national championship. I was a freshman uh, in Colorado, uh, a national championship there. Uh, I won two here. And they all had the same thing in common. Every single team had the same thing in common. It was the locker room. It was the guys. It was the culture. It was the shared opinion of what it took, what everybody was willing to go to do to get those things. That, to me, will never change, ever. That's So that, more than anything, stands out to me. Nick Fitzy Stevens. The 2003 season to me was the Patriots making their mark and saying their greatness was not a fluke, that it was here to stay. And when I think back on that season, that's the like 2001 still can almost, 2001 can almost still be looked at like, I don't know how they did that. But it's pretty amazing that they did. Are we still on the air? Uh, yeah, we are. Ah, we but we can celebrate. <laughs> we are the champions. We are the champions. 2003, this told you the Patriots were great and the Patriots were here to stay for a long, long time. That to me was the stamping of greatness of Brady and Belichick as the greatest QB coach combo in NFL history. Two Super Bowl championships hey. in three years for the Patriots. Yeah. And they are now the dominant team in the NFL of the brand new century. Two Super Bowls this century. Karen Garigian. Their defense was so good and so tough to beat uh, throughout that season, with the exception maybe of the first game, um, that uh, I think that was more their signature, but you, you also saw the signs that Tom Brady was coming along and that, you know, at some point, you know, there were games, I think, during the season where he had to pull them out a few times. So, again, you, you're starting to see signs of this co young quarterback emerging as something more than a game manager. The Super Bowl MVP, once again, it's Tom Brady. Matt Chatham. I really have fond memories that year just because, you know, the camaraderie. You know, we, we, we had the whole backer hood thing. I mean, this is when that stuff really started to grow. We had just an incredibly strong group of guys in there. I look at it now, you know, years and years later, and no, there's no, you know, there's no, uh, Derek Thomas or, you know, I'm trying to think of a name that would be like an over-the-top, like Lawrence Taylor. There's not like a, a slam-dunk gold jacket guy in the room necessarily, but I'd say from top to bottom quality, there were so many good players in the room. Everyone was really good at what they did. Just the, the top to bottom uh, 
joy of being a part of that group is something that I'll, I'll probably cherish forever. Scott Pioli. I think what stands out was is what we talked about at first was how we thought we had a good team. We thought we were going to be a good team. We had some really incredible people. Um, and then how things went right out of the gate. And it, it kind of, it branded us, right? In, in, a, in a way that stung and that stayed with us. And I, and I think what sticks out to me about that team is how much growth we had over the course of the season and how everyone knew because of game one, what the other side could look like. And it was validation of some of the work that we had put into our process and our systems of, of not just on game day, but preparation, player acquisition, player development. It was just this, the second win was this feeling of validation um, that wasn't final because we really needed, we had become a little obsessive at that point in time that, you know, we're winning back, we didn't never said back to back, but it, anything less than a championship was now after two and three years was going to be unacceptable. To Bob Kraft, to you and your family, to Coach Belichick and all of your players, congratulations on your second Super Bowl victory in three years. 15 wins in a row. It's hard to top that. Here's the Vince Lombardi trophy number two. This has been 2003, the Super Sequel, part of the Super Bowl Sound Odyssey series produced by Patriots.com's Mike Dussault and audio engineer Matt Morell. We wish to thank all of our guests for sharing their memories from the unforgettable season and providing a fresh perspective on the Patriots' second championship. And of course, a huge thanks to you, our listeners and members of Patriots Nation who have passionately supported the team since long before they were winning championships. We hoped you enjoyed reliving the thrilling ride with all of its twists and turns two decades later. Thank you for listening, and coming in 2025, stay tuned for our third installment of the Super Bowl Sound Odyssey series. 2004, yes, it's a dynasty.